What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook. Welcome back to episode number 26 of the Crafted Podcast. A podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, electronics, leather, and more. We put out new shows every Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. If you want to learn more about us, check out our website at craftedpodcast.com, where we live stream every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can live stream with us there on the website, or you can download our free app on the iOS or Android store. Uh, Just search for Crafted Podcast, and it'll come right up. So uh, we're also on Patreon. That's a pretty new thing we've added, so it's a great way to support us. If you guys aren't familiar with Patreon, there are different reward levels. Uh, different kind of bonus perks that you can get and it's just a great way to you know throw us a couple bucks and help support the show so definitely consider doing that all right let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts as always first of all i've got james Wright from wood by right what's going on james oh a lot is going on but for <laughs> you guys i will slow down <laughs> and zach herberholz but he is running a few minutes late so he's gonna hop on just in a couple minutes, but uh, we figured we'd go ahead and get kicked off here for our live listeners. Don't want to keep them waiting. So I guess, James, you want to talk about what you've been working on? The dresser. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> it, man. You're getting ever so close. I am itching the dresser. Um, so when this comes out uh, tomorrow, I will be having the final build video. So this week I'm having the last two videos coming out in this and it is, I'm, I'm really, really itching. Right now, it'll be on Monday. I'm going to be moving it into the bedroom. Um, it is currently taking up my garage and finishes going on it, and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, man. And that, that, that water locks you were putting on looked incredible. Oh, man, that makes the grain just explode. I yeah. Just absolutely. Just. Yeah. That, uh... yeah my, my shop is just absolutely empty right now. It's, it's kind of uh, <laughs> It's funny. Yeah. It's been an entire year with focus in there and that now it's all gone. really weird. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> that thing is looking awesome. I, I can't wait to see it totally, totally done. So are you going to do anything like on top of the water locks, like buff it out with paste wax or something, or are you just going to kind of leave it as is? Um, I have a test piece that I'm currently working on. I'm questioning whether or not I want to put uh, paste wax on it. The paste wax will slightly dull the surface. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can make it a little bit more shiny, but I'm a, I haven't decided if I'm going to do paste wax on the entire thing or just on the drawer slides. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Cause water locks is pretty shiny, like, uh, just right out of the can. Um, but, uh, it, it does fade, I guess, over time. That's, you know, one of the things they kind of marketed it. It'll kind of, the gloss will reduce like 50% over, uh, over a couple months. So, and I have definitely seen that to be true, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great finish. Um, I've, I've enjoyed using it the couple of times I have. Yeah, I, I love the feeling of it because it's it, it reminds me a lot of um, a boiled linseed oil finish, especially with the color and yeah. the, the the texture you get out of it. But then you still have the protective finish of the uh, uh, the polymer in there, and so it's it's a it's a great mixture of the of yeah. a simple finish, but yeah. still giving a good protection. Yeah, the one thing I do not like about it is the amount of time that it takes to cure between coats. <laughs> yes. It is, it's. I mean, you know, like trying to put out one project a week, it, it's almost impossible, realistically, to use water locks unless I'm like way ahead. Because I mean, you know, the finishing process is like four days, yeah. so it's well, uh, it's tough. That's why I'm taking over the garage. Um, yeah, because I. The, the the contract I have with my wife is I can have more shop space <laughs> as long as I leave the garage alone. Yeah, because she wants to be able to pull the cars in, which you know it's a garage. It's what you use it for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but I said, you know, if you really want it to be done faster, and you don't want me, you know, filling the whole house with the the finishing fumes for an entire week, um, I need to take over the garage. So I've basically just moved everything out of the garage and spread everything out in there and. Uh, so for probably about uh, six days, I'll be slowly putting on coats of finish. Yeah, yeah. No, I. But that—that's really one of the things that I, I encourage a lot of people to is that you you spend so much time building it, and you finally get to the finish. You want to rush through it and finish it. Yep. Um, but if you really take your time and slow down and kind of enjoy that last yes step and take it out, um, you. Because if you rush through it, you're going to ruin the whole project. Yeah, it's a really easy way to screw the whole thing up in, like, the course of an hour. You know, if you you have drips or whatever that you're not paying attention to. 
yeah, it's uh, or or you have to go do a lot of extra work and sand it back. It's just not worth it. Like yeah. I, I, I'm always rushing the finish, but you know the <laughs> the times where I do force myself to kind of chill out, it's amazing how almost pleasant and relaxing it is. You know, it's like one of these yeah. like zen kind of things. Like especially you know if you're doing a wipe on or using a foam brush or whatever, it can be really kind of relaxing. So. Yeah. Hey everybody! Especially, instead of waiting tact- tactfully for a time to introduce myself, I'm just going to jump in. <laughs> Zach's just going to barge in. Welcome, well, thank you for joining us, Zach. What are we I'm talking so about, Mister Tardy Pants? Uh, we're just I had the, talking I've about had what the we're craziest, on. awesome three days. Oh, I'll wait for you guys to finish. I don't want to be rude like I was a second ago. <laughs> no, we finished with what I'm working on. So. Yeah, yeah. James is just buttoning it up. He's putting finish on the uh, on the dresser, and it's looking amazing. I saw that. Did you see my? Uh, Phil Collins reference on that video? <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, see I've that. been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh, clip. <laughs> yes, yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have. I've been waiting for a really long time for the day that you put finish <laughs> on that thing. That's hilarious. And it did not let me down. I was not disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that is going to that thing's going to look amazing when it's all all done. I'm, I'm really excited to see the drawer fronts because those are just going to just freaking blow oh, yeah. up. I mean, well, each one of them individually is just, it's a joy to put the finish on each yeah. one of those. But once they're all together in the front of it, I mean, that thing's just going to, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be insane. That's going to be insane. Well, I've been kind of doing all kinds of stuff this past week. I've uh, kind of in, in between projects and uh, just kind of tying up some client like proposals things you know just trying to get those nailed down before i get started on them so um, you know we put out the waterfall table uh, on tuesday i guess by the time you guys hear this that'll be the past week but uh, that's doing really well and uh, super happy with the way that build turned out i know a lot of people like friends and family have said that it's like one of the favorite pieces that i've ever made so um, i think we really nailed it with that piece and i'm really really happy i i kind of wish i would get to keep it but uh you know we'll go, to, <laughs> go to some lucky ebayer um so i guess by the time you hear this the auction will be over so uh, it'll be a little late for that but uh you know, we are selling it on eBay, and 10% of the proceeds are going to Habitat for Humanity, so that'll be cool. And uh, see how that works. I think we definitely want to do more collaboration projects, so if we can have a way to kind of recoup our costs, uh, that would be nice. So eBay seems like a pretty good venue for that. So, um, yeah, so since I got those client projects, like the proposals kind of, you know, totally buttoned up and, and, and accepted i went and bought a whole bunch of lumber yesterday a whole pile <laughs> of cypress and some white oak um some quarter sawn white oak and eight quarter and six quarter and um good good yeah, bit of white oak too. yeah i'm i'm pretty excited I'm, I'm building a set of four arts and crafts style dining chairs it's definitely making me a little nervous because it's basically it's a family friend which that already makes it you know more stressful because like oh. you screw it up they're like you know talking to your parents about it and uh that's never good so uh, but they have two existing chairs that they love that are their dining chairs and they want four more to match them like identically so i'm having to you know basically go piece by piece and try to really nail this thing down i mean you know luckily arts and crafts stuff is pretty simple but there's a lot of little like decorative rails and things that are like along the curved backrest it has decorative rails that go in between them where kind of like i guess it's a backsplat is what you really call that but they're all individual rails and so getting those aligned in a curve and you know straight and parallel to the face of the curve it's just kind of stressing me out um and then also just matching the measurements perfectly and then the finish trying to get the final finished chair to be you know a pretty dead-on color match so uh it's gonna be is that through tenon uh no luckily none of the tenons are ah. through tenons so that'll make my life you easier domino them? i'm gonna domino i'm gonna domino the legs to the kind of like stretcher the rails um but then the kind of decorative rails they're only three quarters of an inch by three quarters of an inch so that's too small for my domino um <laughs> so i'm actually gonna buy a hollow chisel mortar so i found a cheap one on on craigslist like 200 bucks with a bunch of bits and stuff i'm gonna buy that just for this project because i'm 
you know, I can't think of another way to get these kind of, you know, three quarter inch by three quarter inch long rails effectively secured to these curved backrests because, mm-hmm. you know, I could do dowels, but trying to drill a dowel hole in the end of a 12 inch long, <laughs> three quarter inch wide piece of wood would be awkward. Um, and then when I went to glue them up, they'd just spin around, you know, there's obviously dowels around, so they don't have any sort of positive stops. So it seems like mortise and tenon is going to be my best bet. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how they were originally built. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll use dominoes anywhere I can. Um, but a lot of the decorative rail things, I will have to uh, use the hollow chisel mortiser, which should be cool. I mean, I've, I've actually never even used one of those before. So uh, I know I've seen Mark Spagnola use it quite a bit. Guy Dunlap, who's in the live chat, I've seen him use his quite a bit quite a bit and uh you know they seem like a very useful tool i just you know with the domino i've never really even considered buying yep. one um so i used we'll to have one yeah yeah and they're they can be very useful and they can also be the bane of your existence yeah they seem really finicky i've been watching a lot of videos on them to try to like you know make sure i'm doing it correctly um and luckily like this one like mortiser comes with like 15 bits or some ridiculous number of bits so i should have plenty to choose from as far as like sharp bits and all that kind of stuff so that'll be good um it'll also come in handy on the rubo uh, because the the mortise is in the legs on the rubo i was going to do with a router mm-hmm. but uh, it'll be a lot easier to do that with a hollow chisel mortiser so that'll be good um yeah buying lumber was awesome uh, it's always kind of a stressful experience because you know you go in there and it's like they speak a different language but i'm finally starting to learn that language so um, it's kind of cool when you can go in there and kind of you know hang with them and not look like an idiot and uh, just start making things up and they'll yeah, they'll, <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. just just use some weird you know random gibberish terminology yeah. and yeah uh, look for a number 17 common fas you know 19 quarter uh you know Cocobolo. You know, you guys got that? You know, just start combining every piece of jargon there is. But, uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was fun. And then the other thing is I got some new tools in the shop, so that's really exciting. Um, I'll talk about those more during favorite tool of the week time, but uh, those are really spanky. So excited to have those. So how about you, Zach? What you been working on? Man, it's like I—I I feel like I've just been spinning the past like three to f- like three four days, which which is good. Um, I've actually gotten a little shop time. It's been a really—it's actually been a really fun week, and I—I I seriously can't comprehend the fact that tomorrow is Friday. Yeah, like it's just—I didn't even. I've been so wrapped up in this week. I mean, I almost missed the podcast tonight, and that <laughs> never happens for me. Um, but uh, <clears throat> trying to think, where do I start? So. The uh, stuff for the chairs should be back this week from the upholsters. So I should be able to start on those hopefully next week. I got a nice setup from uh, Lincoln Electric. I got a new plasma cutter. I got a TIG welder. Um, I'm really going to put that plasma cutter to good use uh, in the chair video because I have a lot of lot of eighth inch steel that i have to cut so um that's going to come in handy i won't have to use like a jigsaw and 30 blades again um i still cannot believe that you were using a jigsaw which i mean i guess it worked but that just seems so funny to me actually i mean it's certainly not ideal but it works a lot better than you would expect yeah i mean it's it like if you go into it knowing that like this is definitely not the best way to do it you'll be impressed it works pretty well but it eats blades like no other and it's messy and the stuff it spits out is super hot so it like Mm. (laughs) there's not many like i hurt myself on a daily basis like just minute injuries and uh like that that really hurts <laughs> it just it gets so hot like yeah. it's even hotter than a abrasive sparks hmm. but uh anyway uh bigger and better things uh so i got that um i'm waiting for since i'm waiting for that stuff on the chair i decided to batch out some i kind of have a list of like my my common little items like the 13 colonies flags or different flags that i do uh blacksmith roses just some of the small items like people ask me if i can build them and i'm like no but i'll I'll wait until i can get a list of people and then i'll let you know so finally had some downtime so went and batched out a handful of those 13 colony flags 
then I posted them on my Instagram and got like five more orders instantly. So I have to do <laughs> more of those. So I did more of those yesterday. Um, and then, uh, yesterday it was really cool. One of our podcast listeners, uh, Nico, uh, he came up here to my house and he made, uh, we made, I kind of walked him through the process and he ended up making two of his own roses for his family. So the blacksmith roses. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then today I assembled that, I don't know if you guys have been following my Instagram, I poured a concrete slab last week. And uh, today I built the storage shed on it and put a whole bunch of crap for my shop in there. So, um, nice. so you have I'm space really, now? What's that? So you have some space now? Um, you can turn sort of, in your but shop? I, got, I have a lot of new tools in my shop that showed up. <laughs> yeah. like I have a... I have a, a new plasma cutter, a new TIG welder. Um, I have a uh, gigantic miter saw. The box, you, you got yours in a box, I'm sure, Johnny, right? Yeah. That, Which one? Your, the, the, the flex, flex bolt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The thing's that huge. box is gigantic. Yeah. It is ridiculously huge. Yeah. Um, so I have that in there. And then today I got a, um, <clears throat> a gas forge from NC Tools. So I have... Nice. I pretty much took out exactly what I'm going to put into it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically my life. And I also generate, I think, more cardboard waste than like anybody I know in my life. And I have to, we don't have trash pickup here. It's like I guess we're outside the city limits. And so every time I go to the dump, I get like the stink eye from the guy working there because I have not only do I have like 30 cardboard boxes inevitably, like you know they're all flattened or whatever, but I also have like 10 bags of dust shavings. And so it just looks like I have my whole pickup bed just full of garbage and i accumulate that in like a week or two so every time they're like i'm pretty sure they think i just like you know work some sort of job site and i'm disposing like construction goods there but uh it's just from my house but uh yeah they yeah. They, they hate me it's pretty funny my backyard i'm actually really happy because that storage shed came in like six cardboard boxes that are huge and I ship so much thing? stuff out that um, oh yeah, nice. That I'm I'm really excited. I have like and they're they're huge. They're like the boxes are probably three feet by six feet, nice. and I have like four of them. So my whole backyard is covered in cardboard right now because I was <laughs> racing to like for some I didn't check my phone. I was so excited like moving stuff out to the shop. I mean I'm gonna have a lot more space with the storage unit. I I, I can put a lot more out there. I'm just. I'm reorganizing my shop for the first time in like five months, so everything's just. You guys, you guys know how it is when you reorganize. It's pretty exciting. It's oh, it is like when you're a kid, you move your bed to the other side of the room. It's <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So much room for activities, you know, like the uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Um, so that and oh yeah, at the beginning of the week when I got all that stuff and I had to rewire a bunch of two twenty receptacles in my shop because of course the outlets that i went with when i wired everything use different sockets than all the stuff that i got received so yes. i had to take all of that apart and isn't that always the i case? just made a giant 220 extension cord yeah <laughs> which yeah. i've never seen before so it plugs into the receptacle that i put next to my breaker box and then it's like 10 feet long with a box on the end of it so i can just put it wherever i want in the shop yeah. So. Yeah, I use one. I think of that's every jointer. That. Uh, and uh, and I'm eating chicken tonight with mm. quinoa. Nice. <laughs> quinoa. Quinoa. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. My my front uh, my driveway is full of shipping crates right now, so I I need to figure out a way to dispose of those things because they they won't even take those at my like transfer station or whatever. So I usually try to burn them, but these are like. <laughs> enormous that that jointer can basically fully <laughs> assembled and it's like 86 inches long so the crate it was in is just unbelievably huge so yeah it, uh, i gotta figure out a way to deal with that. so when they drop them off did the semi back up your driveway 
So amazingly enough, usually they do not. Usually they're annoying and they stay at the bottom of my driveway and we have to use a pallet jack and push it up my driveway, which is like <laughs> an insane workout. And the freight the, the freight guy always just hates my guts. Just so everyone here knows, from the end of his driveway up to his house is about a 50-foot uh, vertical climb and yeah. it's probably somewhere around 300 feet long. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's a uh, it's truly like it's like doing CrossFit or something. It's like a true like functional fitness workout. And uh but so luckily they had a small it was like a small box truck. So he backed it right up to the garage and thank nice. God because man, that jointer is huge. We could barely even get it out of the back of the truck because it's so awkward and long. Um so yeah, that that was uh <laughs> It was one of the the best freight deliveries I've had. I, you know, I didn't didn't realize when I became a woodworker that it was going to basically be like fifty percent uh, delivering freight and uh, you know moving heavy machinery. So it's it's ridiculous how much of that you know my, my life has become. So I, I don't want to move any more heavy tools this year. It's it's very annoying. But uh, yeah. So anyway, so I guess let's. Uh, Let's move into our show topic. I think we're just going to delve into finishing and kind of what finishes we like on, you know, different types of projects, different styles of projects, that kind of thing, what kind of some of our go-tos are and uh all of that. So, so where do you guys want to start? I guess, you know, you want to start with like your go-to kind of standard. I mean, James, I think we all know yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um you I would say 80% of my projects end up being uh, tools. So, you know, hand tools, planes, mallets and whatnot. And the most important thing to me about a hand tool is how it feels. Um, You know, you can make a cheap, junky hand plane, um, bring off shavings just like a, you know, three, four hundred dollar hand plane. Uh, it takes time and you have to fiddle with it and set it up. But the big difference between a cheap, junky hand plane and, you know, a, a $400 Lee Nielsen or, you know, infill hand plane is the way it feels um, when working. And honestly, the best finish for for your hands, in my mind, is boiled linseed oil and a paste wax. Mm-hmm. And it just... It, it, I don't know. It just has a it has a very earthly feeling. It's it doesn't feel like raw wood, but there's nothing between you and the wood. There is no film on the finish, so it, it feels good in the hand, and it's just buttery. I think is the only way to explain it. Yeah. Um, but then th- there's a drawback to that though, because there is no film finish. It's something that has to be maintained. Yep. So I'm regularly either reapplying boiled linseed oil or paste wax. Um, you know, throughout the year, I will have rewaxed all my tools at least once, um, and so that's that's something that a lot of people aren't willing to do, and because it's it's not a film finish, it will disappear, it will rub off, yeah. um, it is not uh, it's not a durable finish, it's not something that's going to protect it from, you know, things rubbing against it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing, I mean, you don't really use that for furniture then? What would be your go-to for no. your furniture projects? Um, well, then that, that that depends on the project. Um, if it is something that will commonly have water around it, um, such as, you know, a dining room table or chairs, um, oh, poly is my, my preferred method. I wipe on poly um, is... Uh, it is a very simple finish, and it is very easy to work with. Yeah, um, and it is very protective. Uh, you put enough coats on there, and it will be pretty much waterproof. Yeah, um, and with three kids under six years old, that's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, it's it feels. Uh, you know, if there's there's kind of a balance with poly. You can you can put on a few numbers of coats. And you get the look and feel of poly, but it doesn't have quite all the protection. Whereas if you put enough layers on to get it fully protected and waterproof, then it feels plasticky. Yep. Um, and that's kind of the the downside to it. Um, but it's not a huge downside when you're talking about protection. Yeah. But then, um, you know, the other thing is then if it's not something that's commonly having water around it, like the dresser that I'm currently building, I'm using water locks. Mm-hmm. Um, I. A water locks is just a simple finish. You you really can't mess it up. I, I, 
even even if you have drips down the surface, it's something that just kind of like self fixes itself. It's yeah. it's kind of a it's it's foolproof. It's really um, really easy to apply because I, I got really stressed about drips and bubbles and stuff when I was first applying. Yeah. It. And it was like you come back like the next day and it's like perfect. You know, it's yeah. just it's amazing. Uh, but it, and it is it is a fairly resistant surface. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's got a lot of protection, but it still is a little bit softer. It's it's closer to the the feeling of a of a boiled linseed oil, but it has the color of boiled linseed oil. It has that that rich um, figure color. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, the The biggest project I've used that on was that organ cabinet, and that thing it just came to life when i put that oh, yeah. that on there it was it was you know because it's all walnut and you know super figured for the most part and uh man that just that looked awesome yeah if you want to see what i'm talking about go to my uh, instagram feed uh, the yeah. video i put up yesterday was the the first coat on this and figured um curly white oak is just an explosive wood um uh, when it when it gets the right finish on there, it just yeah, it's you know. I like how you had your input gain turned all the way up, so I could actually hear you wiping the finish on. <laughs> I don't know if you used like a condenser mic, but you can seriously like I was just it just sounded good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was it was the whole like you tackled. The only thing that I didn't get was like the scent. They haven't found yeah. a way to do that yet. But yeah, it was, you probably wouldn't want that with water locks because that stuff is pretty smelly. It's uh, it's it's pretty intense. What's it? What's it smell like? I actually something is wrong with me because I I like really like the smell of like turpentine. Well, and yeah, chemical. it smells good, but it's like will definitely Toxic. destroy your brain. I've, I've gotten to the point where I wear those organic cartridge, you know, the the filters on my respirator because man, yeah, that stuff. I mean, I've gotten headaches and stuff from that, and felt lightheaded and um, water locks is. I mean, it's not like lacquer level, but it's it's pretty smelly for sure. Yeah, lacquer thinner gets me. Like even when I wear a respirator, just because I have like a beard, like I, yeah. I still it's still taking years off of my life every time I shoot lacquer. I can feel it. Well, I finally had the epiphany that like the pink cartridges on your respirator are useless for most finishes like they're organic compounds or whatever so you need a totally different cartridge in case any of you guys listening don't know that because uh, the pink ones will filter out a lot of the smell um, so i don't think you know i figured it was working pretty well but i don't think it was doing much of anything so it's it's amazing switching to the organic ones it's like I can't smell anything, and, uh, you know, it, it definitely, I don't get any more, like, lightheadedness or anything like that. So, um, definitely, that's a good thing to uh, to do if, if you're doing a lot of finishing. Especially, I mean, pretty much all my stuff's in the garage with the doors closed, so there's not not a lot of good ventilation going on. So, it uh, it gets kind of intense. So yeah, that, That's my other reason for doing the dresser in the garage, is that I can open the doors and have full ventilation while i'm in there yeah yeah it's mine is always a balance between too much like airflow kicking up dust and then that dust ending up in the finish versus like wanting to because you know like especially with water locks the the more those fumes can dissipate the faster it will cure Um, so it's actually really good to have a good amount of airflow Um, but yeah that's the one nice thing about florida is like the stuff that I shoot is dry to the touch in like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like my—I awesome. have the nastiest, filthiest, worst shop in the world to do any sort of finishing, and I somehow I pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I guess you don't because I mean something like Armor Seal or Waterlocks—it's it, hard because they take a long time to dry. I mean, Armor Seal is less; it's probably you know dry to the touch in three or four hours, but Waterlocks—it's it, a slow process. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people complain about uh, boiled linseed oil being slow. And if you wait for it to actually dry, it is slow. But I never wait for it to dry. Uh, Like, if boiled linseed oil put on a surface will usually take um, between 24 and 3 days to dry. And um, I never wait that. I put it on, and then, like, 25 minutes later, I'll come in and I'll put the next coat on. And then a half an hour later, I'll come in and put the third coat on. Hmm. And then 45 minutes after that, I put paste wax on it, and then I use it. Hmm. And I guess you're not, like, sanding between finishes for, like, your 
no mallet no and, and it's it yeah is it's a it's it's a very tactile yeah feeling because i i use a a natural boiled linseed oil it's not the stuff you get from the store that has a um a chemical um dryer uh, dryer yeah and so I, I i literally apply it with my hands i just stick my hand in the oil and i rub it on with my oh, fingers i know it's very very sensual in your videos it's uh oh it is it's, and it's, uh... it's, a thing. <laughs> it's really you need some good theme music for those uh those moments it's it always cracks me up a saxophone playing yeah, in the yeah. corner <laughs> careless whisper yeah 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 that would be uh that very would be white. hilarious yeah, that's what you should have done for uh, for April Fool's Day. Just like you know, 120 frames per second shot and like super slow mo, just rubbing yeah. oil, linseed oil on your uh, on your tools. It, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, James certainly sounds. If you slow his voice down enough, he certainly sounds like the devil. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that video of yours. He definitely was uh, extra extra intense sounding. Yeah, that was, that I, was I slowed that down to about I think sixty percent was the sweet spot there. Yeah, that was funny. So Zach, what about you? A... What are your uh, go-to finishes? I mean, I know obviously you do a lot of different stuff, so I guess you know touch on some of the metal stuff too, because that's a whole another side of finishing that uh, you know. Well, I was really happy when I went to uh, Atlanta when somebody I was talking to Paul Jackman, and somebody was talking to us and. He asked about what I do, and I get pigeonholed as, like, the metal guy all the time, which is fine. Like, that's cool. I, I do a lot of metal work. But it was really cool when Paul Jackman told the guy, he's like, this guy does some really awesome wood finishes. And that, that was, like, the my favorite compliment the whole time, just yeah. not being, like, pigeonholed as, like, the metal guy or the wall sconce guy. Or, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, but like I said, I mean um, – I've said it before, but that that Jeff Jewett book, the complete illustrated guide to finishing, is like the in my everything that I've consumed. That is like the gospel of wood finishing. It's just so it covers so many things, and you learn so much. And that was really kind of what started me going down like the rabbit hole of experimenting with <clears throat> like different wood finishes. And that's the key right there, experimenting. Yep. Yeah. Um. So what I like to do, I really personally, and this is just my own opinion, but I think that boiled linseed oil does something to the the wood grain that nothing else I've ever used does. I mean, it, it can come close. I mean, but the contrast and it just, like James says, it just really makes it pop. It deepens the color, deepens the contrast. It just makes everything look like yeah. glass. It's beautiful. So... But it's not the most protective finish. I mean, you're not going to want to do that on a tabletop or, or you know, uh, something that's going to be a high wear item or especially moisture. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, in most of my client builds, like I'm building tables or conference tables or desks or, you know, stuff that's going to actually see a lot of wear. So first thing I usually do on almost every finish, if I can, is I find a way to hit it with boiled linseed oil. And I'll usually use... Um, I think uh, a two to one ratio of boiled linseed oil to mineral spirits, just so that it dries a bit faster, evaporates a little bit faster. And that way I can get that kind of grain popping or that, that magic X factor that boiled linseed oil gives to a finish. And then <clears throat> you typically I'll wait, I'll give it overnight. Um, I might hit it again. Like James does at like 20, 30 minutes later, if it looks like it's kind of sucking it up, but then usually I'll give it a day and like I feel like my secret ingredient, to, at least to me, is uh, shellac. Just de-wax shellac. Yep. Um, it's super easy to spray, and it seals everything. Because there's the I think a lot of the issues that people run into is when they start mixing oil-based finishes with water-based finishes. Uh, you know, there, there's so many different types of things out there that are not compatible with other products. So. Did you just drink a whole milkshake in like 30 seconds? No, James? I've been working on it slowly. <laughs> Is that a milkshake? Yes. You guys just came back eating, from man. That's, uh, that's hilarious. I just, every time I keep glancing over and it's just like chugging it. It's like straight up in the air. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying with shellac. I actually, um, when I did my kids' workbench, 
um, I made it out of white oak, and I really wanted that pop from boiled linseed oil. And so I put on, I think, three coats of boiled linseed oil over the course, course of two hours. And then I let it sit for three or four hours until it became dry to the touch. And then put on shellac right over top of it. Mm-hmm. And then I put on a uh, uh, a water-based poly on top to, pr- to have a protective su- for surface. But the shellac gave it the layer in yep. between. And so I get the, the clear from the water-based poly, and I can look through that and then see the color of the boiled linseed oil. Nice. Yeah, that's that's honestly, I mean, like, that's kind of the building blocks. I think I do everything like it's like a shellac sandwich or like a shellac yeah. witch. Yeah, I, I like that shellac witch. Um, so like, and the reason that I use the shellac is that, uh, it, it, it's like a binder coat, you know, like it, it yeah. kind of, uh, mediates between different finishes like oil based. So you can pretty much seal it with shellac and then you can use whatever you want on it. It kind of yeah. gives you like, it's almost like a fresh surface to do whatever you want on it. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably some exceptions out there. I haven't run into issues, but, um, yeah, my, my typical my typical uh, finish is boiled linseed oil. I'll give it overnight, and then I will seal that with shellac. And sometimes, well, I'll, I'll come back to this in a second. I'll seal, seal it with shellac, and then I'll do um, well, water-based poly top coat. I'll spray that. That's, that's pretty much, I do those three things in almost everything that I finish. Now, there are some things that I might do in between that, um, you know, to, to mix it up. I, I like doing weird finishes. And uh, so one of the things you can do when you do the shellac is you can actually use like a garnet shellac or there's a whole bunch of different types of shellac that you can use that'll give you like a different tint. So depending on what you're going for, you can do that. And that, that can change things. I've done that a few times. Also, after the shellac, you might want to do a toner like on the... Uh, the torched alder console table video that I have. That's one of my favorite finishes that I've done. Uh, I did the boiled linseed oil, uh, shellac. I, th- I can't remember if I used a garnet shellac or not. Well, I burnt the thing first, but as far as the finish is concerned, I, I did the boiled linseed oil, um, <clears throat> a shellac, and then I used a toner, which is just a trans tint mixed with uh, shellac to fade the edges so I had like a black, almost like a sunburst of just black from the edges going to the inside. And uh, then I sealed all of that. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I did a toner. And uh, then I, I sealed it all with another coat of shellac, and I did a water-based poly on that. So, I mean, you can – but those three fundamental steps for me that I use is boiled linseed oil, whatever I'm going to do, shellac, whatever I'm going to do, and then the water-based poly top coat. That's kind of my – the three things I do on almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that seems like a pretty good combo. I, I, I kind of want to start using more of that stuff cause I'd like to start spraying more, but I obviously really like that oil finish look. So it seems like that would be a, a pretty good happy medium. Um, because I, my default for the most part is just armor seal. I, I've had a lot of good luck with it and I just, it's, it's pretty yeah. easy to apply, uh, kind of hard to screw up, very protective, and uh, really, three coats seems to do the trick pretty much every time. Well, so. you, I think I think it works great for you because, like, a lot of this it seems like a lot of the stuff that you do, you use really beautiful wood that you definitely. I mean, it just like I think for a walnut table or a walnut, you know, some really nicely yeah. good look, great looking wood. You don't want to do anything complicated. I think a nice oil finish is probably the best choice for yeah. for stuff that looks great on its own. I'm usually doing uh, big pieces where I'm using like soft maple or uh, you know ash or alder, which are which are great woods, but they're uh, they're not the most interesting. You, if you just put a clear coat on them, I feel like you need to do something to spice yeah. them up. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people actually go wrong when they're using shellac is they'll either use too thick of a cut um, and they'll, you know, like the, the stuff, the Zinsser stuff you buy from the store is too thick. Don't ever use it straight oh, yeah. out of the can. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ask me how I know what, that. Well, which stuff? <laughs> I use their, uh, I spray their, their two-pound seal coat, yes. their Dewax shellac all seal the coat time. Yeah, good, well, but the amber yeah. shellac or like the standard one, the, the, the true, like the finishing shellac, jar. dude, that stuff is like 
goo. Like by the time you get your brush from one side to the other, the other side is completely dried in a big blob. And it's, uh, yeah, it's you <laughs> yeah, like never, thin it like 50% with uh, the only, only thing I ever use is the two pound cut. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'll like, if, if either I'm going to mix it myself from shellac um, flakes or I will get the, the Zinsser can and, and cut it down. But, uh, yeah, with shellac, it's all about um, thin coat, especially, you know, if you're doing an all shellac finish, it's about uh, multiple thin, thin, thin coats. And uh, a lot of people like to – it's very, very easy with shellac to overdo it, and it can add a lot of weird colors. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh... – I, I made the mistake of using that unthinned on that little walnut uh, lamp that I did, and it it was a very, <laughs> very frustrating day because I had no idea. You know, shellac's supposed to be like the easiest finish ever. You can't mess it up. And little did I know that you basically need to, like, dilute that stuff 50% to, to be able to really wipe it on effectively. So, yeah, that uh, that was very annoying. But, uh yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said with the simplicity of something like an armor seal or a waterlocks or a minwax wipe on poly, some product like that that you just you don't even have to think about. Just put a few coats on it, and it's pretty much going to look amazing every time. Um, but it gets boring, and it's also pretty time consuming. You know, both in the time you have to wait between coats and the time it takes to apply it. Because, like, I can't really spray armor seal. You know, it's just it's just not not something that i'm set up for very well so um being able to do some sort of like one or two coats of a actual like you know boiled linseed oil and just wipe that on and then go to spraying that would probably make my life a little easier but uh yeah it's there's there's a lot to do there so uh what do you guys do for outdoor furniture do you guys have uh, a go-to for that (laughs) it's a whole can of worms and it's a pain paint yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Treated lumber. No, I, I actually like a penetrating epoxy um, and to, to really soak into the wood because the whatever finish you use on exterior um, furniture, it's the moment you get a crack in the finish, it's just like a, a cancer that eats out from there. Yeah. Um, and if you can get a penetrating epoxy on there first and seal the wood from the inside, um, your your chances of your finish actually lasting longer are good. Um, but that being said, there is no such thing as a foolproof outside finish. Um, whatever you do, imagine that, you know, the next two to three years, you're going to want to refinish the project again. Yeah. Yeah, which is like... So annoying to hear because refinishing just sounds terrible. That's, uh, you know, it's like once I'm done with a project, I don't want to refinish it. So it's all the bad part of the project without the fun part. Exactly. It's like, oh, you mean I get to sand this and sand it some more and then reapply finish? It's, yeah, that just sounds like a pain. Um, yeah, I, I kind of yeah, want to. You ex- ever need to refinish? Card scraper. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a good idea. Take guy in the live chat asked if. Um, if we ever sprayed shellac and I should have said that's, yes. I mean, you can wipe it, but I, I typically pretty much I almost always, always spray it. Yeah. Yeah. I personally have so. not, uh, but I probably will be quite soon. I'm, I'm pretty sure on these Oak dining chairs, I'll probably be ended up using some shellac, uh, as part of that. So that'll be good. Yeah. I want to, for outdoor stuff, I want to start experimenting with some more kind of moisture resistant woods. Um, like when I was at that hardwood dealer yesterday, they had a bunch of locust, which I've never worked with. Um, but is extremely hard and it's supposed to be really, really good for outdoor, uh, work because it's very moisture resistant. But, uh, yeah, I've heard that stuff is brutal on, your cutting edges and it smells awful yeah well what's interesting <laughs> is they sell it as like five quarter like one by sixes and that kind of stuff like like almost like decking boards where they have like rounded edges um so i basically just had to cut the pieces to size which would be pretty easy it's already milled because yeah i, I don't know that i'd want to mill that stuff because it just seems like it would wreak havoc according to what i've read about it but it does seem to be amazing for outdoor stuff i mean he he said you could pretty much just build it and sit it outside and like there's you know it'll last for many many years 
you know that that's one of the things that i if i'm going to be building out outdoor furniture i i don't know if i would actually finish it i think i would design something that doesn't need to be finished something that's intended to be some somewhat rustic looking yeah um and just pick a weather resistant wood yeah because you know a, a good weather-resistant good, uh, wood yeah. is going to sit for for years out there. Yeah. Whereas if you put a finish on it, the finish is going to start to look bad in a year or two. Yep. And you're gonna it's 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 going to look like a project that has gone bad as opposed to a project that is weathered. Yeah. Yeah. One thing not to do, uh, just in case you're wondering, is to buy treated lumber, build a project out of it, and the next day spray paint it. Because uh, that will trap all of that moisture inside, and the whole board will crack to bits. That's what I did. That was my first woodworking project when we moved in this house. And it's an Adirondack chair, and, it, you know, it's not a huge deal. It, it just looks more rustic. But, uh, yeah, that, that didn't work out so well. So that was, uh, that was a good one. So we've got a couple questions from, the, uh, from our email, actually. So I guess let's go ahead and answer those. So we've got one from Seth, which is kind of a funny one. So he says he's a new woodworker, and he's looking for a mentor, so to speak. Uh, so he says he knows there's at least one person in his area that has more experience, but he's never met him. And he asked, how would we approach him for a mandate to talk shop and uh, without seeming like a creeper? So he says there's also not really any local clubs around to meet people that way. So um, <laughs> that's kind of a funny one. I would, I would say, say show up to his doorstep with a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I would... Uh, <laughs> I would just reach out through Facebook or something and, you know, see see if he's comfortable with it. I mean, it, it is weird. I mean, I'm, I'm always a little wary of that, like uh, people just knowing where I live. And, you know, I have a pretty nice shop, and I don't want that to really be common knowledge. You know, I don't want somebody coming and stealing all my cool stuff. So um, I think making sure they're comfortable with that. But, uh, you know, if you seem like a normal person, I, I know I'm always – for the most part, happy to have people in my shop. It's kind of cool to, you know, talk shop and uh, show people around. So what do you guys think? Um, I like to vet people first. Yeah. Or at least have some sort of conversation. But, um, that you know, it's not a major conversation. It's usually an email conversation. And I, I have people over at least once a week. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Huh. Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. Cool. Well hopefully Seth that answered your question. We got another one from Tom from the live chat. Uh, he asked uh, Zach and I, do we ever have any issues with clients not wanting us to do a video on their project and, and do we ask up front? Um I personally have never had anybody not want me to do a video. I, most people are actually excited about it. One guy actually offered to pay me extra to make the video. And I'm like, no, dude, I, I do this anyway. That's not like you don't need to do that. Um, but I think a lot of them get a kick out of it. You know, I think probably the thing that most people might have uh, qualms about is like showing the insides of their houses or, or things like that. What you know, kind of private spaces to them. And obviously, I'll always ask if i'm going to be doing that um, but for the most part i don't even film in inside people's houses because it's just not worth the hassle and most of the time lighting and then things like that never seem to work out so, yeah um what about you zach um pretty much the same exact thing that uh, you said um yeah <laughs> i don't know that i have a whole lot to a whole lot to add to that. Um, I, I mean, I usually tell them up front. I say I usually do a video of everything that I shoot and, uh, you know, put it on YouTube afterwards. And uh, every time I've said that, they're like, oh, really? You're going to film it? That'd be so cool to be able to see how you do everything. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, it, it's funny. I started doing the YouTube thing. I mean, I, once I kind of got into it, I started doing it more of, I didn't think my channel would ever really grow into anything sizable, but I did it to like validate my work because people usually have, they don't really have a sense of how much work goes into the project. So it was almost more of a portfolio. And, uh, if you can get the video, I think it really helps 
Mm-hmm. It's nice to show them because every time I show them the video after I build the product, they're usually like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much work goes into that. Oh, yeah. And then they show their friends of like, hey, you got to see how this was actually done. You yeah. made a video of it. And that's how you get business. Yeah, I, I think making videos of your work is actually a really, really good way. Because like having a portfolio on your website is, is good and all, you know, having some fancy pictures. But like the normal person has absolutely no idea what goes into building a piece. So having yeah. that kind of step-by-step process, I mean, it, it really also justifies the price. I think a lot of people realize, oh, that's why you charge that much for these pieces because it takes a long time, you know? And, like, to make any sort of living wage, like, we got to charge a pretty decent amount for our furniture. So, um, yeah, it's uh, YouTube is a great marketing tool, in my opinion. So, cool. Well, uh, we don't have a joke of the week this week, unfortunately. So that's uh, that's all right. We'll we'll bring one back <laughs> in the future. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about what's new or what, what are we watching or, or that kind of thing. So, uh, James, what you got? Uh, I've actually been watching uh, Mary May's Carving School. She has a uh, – uh, well, well, she's Mary May, of course. <laughs> uh, but she has a, an online school where she basically videos how to carve all of these things. Um, in particular, a lot of the furniture carving. So, you know, the the claw feet and the shells and uh, things that were very common um, pieces to be found on furniture. But uh, a lot of other things. And just it's it's fascinating to watch her work and actually see the way things go. Um, so yeah, I I love Mary May Carving School. Nice, Zach. How about you? Um, so I've really been getting into that same book that I recommended uh, last week. The that the Smithsonian put out, uh, "Design the Definitive Visual History." It's what it's called. It's just it's a really if you're into design and and that sort of thing. Um, it seems like they have an emphasis on furniture in it, which is awesome for me. But it just goes from the beginning to, or from like the, I think probably the early 19th century, the 1800s, and it goes up to current. And it just kind of explains the people that, the people and the movements. And it's just a really interesting book. And there's there's some neat designs. There's some great illustrations in there. It's, it's uh, probably one of my favorite design books I've read. Nice. Yeah, I need so. to uh I need to pick that up. That's going to that's going to go into our next show topic. So, yeah, by the way, live listeners, we're going to be doing back-to-back episodes tonight, so so stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back doing another show. So, um my pick uh for this week, it's not woodworking related or anything. It's this uh I guess the channel I guess it's called Binging with Babish. So, it'll be in the show notes, but uh if you guys have never seen this, it is amazing it's this guy his name's andrew and uh, he's an amazing chef and he recreates uh, food from tv shows and movies and things like that so today he had uh, the south park uh, foods from south park so he had like chef salty balls uh, chocolate salty balls and uh, the cartman chili con carnival uh, (laughs) chili which if you guys have never seen that episode he like cooks his friend's parents and some chili and it's anyway it's it's hilarious he has all these you know tv show foods so you know the szechuan sauce from rick and morty and bob's burgers and it's always sunny in philadelphia and um you know all all these shows that i love and recreates these ridiculous recipes and uh they all look amazing he's got really great kind of dry sense of humor and really good production value so uh, definitely check him out. He's uh, a pretty big channel. I mean, he's got like six hundred something thousand subscribers, but uh, he he's does some pretty awesome stuff. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess let's get into our favorite tools of the week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in because I, I got some pretty awesome new tools this week. So I actually just today um, got a new Powermatic jointer and planer. Got their PJ882HH, uh, their 8-inch helical head parallelogram jointer, which is a huge uh, beast of a jointer, and also their 15-inch helical head planer. So I am uh, super, super pumped and uh, really excited to have those two tools in the shop. It's going to just 
I think make my life a lot easier. Having the helical heads just gonna, I don't know, it's just gonna be a big, big upgrade for me. So, because um, I'm really going from the the Dewalt lunchbox planer to this 15 inch a 15 inch Powermatic helical head, it's gonna be a pretty, pretty huge, uh, pretty huge upgrade. So, those are my tool, my two tools. I, I have barely even used them, but uh, very excited. <laughs> so, they look great in your shop, though. Yeah, they're very pretty, man. Those Powermatic tools. Uh, the build quality is just outstanding. I mean, I've I've never owned any of their stuff. I've never even owned any Jet stuff, but uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Those things have quite the build quality. So, how about you, Zach? Um, I'm trying to talk and think at the same type and talk at the same time in the live chat, and I'm failing. Uh, okay, there we go. <laughs> Enter. <laughs> Not a multitasker. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Johnson's paste wax this week. Nice, pretty yeah. pretty simple choice, but it uh, it, it it works well. Yes, <laughs> so it's a good paste wax. Yes, and uh, especially after using it, like so, I've always used my own little mixture of uh, beeswax, uh, boiled linseed oil, and mineral or turpentine for um, like when I do forging to blacken the metal, but. When I was at your shop, I used the Johnson's Paste Wax in a pinch, and it actually worked really well. Yeah. And it's, like, one of my favorite shop smells. I love the smell <laughs> of paste wax. I don't know why. I think my dad might have used it when I was a kid or something. I just, like, and it kind of smells like bowling alleys. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's great. I like it. And one can will last, like, I'm pretty sure till the end of time. It's, like. Two generations. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. one of those things, like, my mom <laughs> gave me their old can when they moved recently and i'm like mom <laughs> i i have one can that will probably last me my entire life so i don't know what i'm gonna do with two it's it's just ridiculous but uh yeah it's it's, it's like a family heirloom <laughs> it is it's the can that keeps on giving it's uh like when my when my dad passes away someday <laughs> I, I hope that that's in the will that i get his yes. can of yes S.C. Johnson Paste Wax. Yes, wax his tombstone. Keep it nice and uh, nice and weather resistant. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> it is amazing. It just a little goes a really long way with that stuff. So, and I mean, I don't use it that much for finishing. I mostly use it for just you know waxing my tools and things like that. But uh, it is great for planer beds. Oh man, yeah. Like on my lunchbox planer at, at yeah. uh, and table saws if you're you know whatever. Yes, this just has a lot of uses. Definitely, definitely. James, I see you got an interesting tool of the week. Yes, the refrigerator magnet. Um, yes. It is a necessity, necessity tool when you are doing a lot of card scraping. Yeah. And I have been doing a lot of card scraping, getting this dresser ready for uh, for finish. Um, basically going over around 100 board feet worth of wood and giving it a final finish with a card scraper. And, uh, yeah, it's... If you've never used a card scraper before, after about two or three swipes, the thing is up around, you know, 150 degrees. And if you put a refrigerator magnet on the back, it's just like magic. It suddenly is cool, and you can do it for hours on end. And uh, um, it was one of those those aha moments that I'd been using a card scraper for a while, and then I saw a video with a guy putting a refrigerator magnet in the back. It's like, oh, I've got to do that. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a game-changing thing, a refrigerator magnet. That's hilarious. That's uh, I, I cannot say I've ever done that much card scraping to, to where it's so hot that I can't hold on to it. But uh, when, when I do, I'll come grab my. Do you have a particular like uh, some sort of clever phrase refrigerator magnet that you like uh, to use a hand tool related refrigerator magnet? Maybe like a Highland Woodworking refrigerator magnet. No, mine was an insurance company, but mm. I've used it so much that the the, the image has rubbed off. <laughs> That's awesome. You need to get some custom Their wood right magnets, melted. man. That would be a good <laughs> product for you, man. Wood by right magnets. Yes, that's, that's brilliant. A, that's a double Card double purpose accessories. Yeah, dude. <laughs> the most simple pro- the most simple tool in your shop now yeah. needs an upgrade. Yeah, totally. This flat piece of metal <laughs> needs an accessory. Yours yes. for nine ninety nine plus shipping. Nice. It's like more than the card scraper. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Oh, that's awesome. I've heard some people just get like two or three card scrapers and they'll just hit them and switch every couple of... As soon as one gets hot, they'll just grab the other one. 
Yeah. I used to do that, but I find I like the, the break for um, sharpening it more often. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Again, live listeners, you can hang out. We are going to be filming or recording another episode right after this one. So uh, stay tuned for that. And everybody who's listening on the iTunes feed, thank you so much for your support. Uh, one thing we don't always mention, but uh, if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It is incredibly helpful for us. It kind of keeps us in the rankings there and helps expose the show to more people. So that's always super helpful. Or even a four-star. No, it needs to be five. No, there, there's some reason that it has to be five. Yeah, don't leave do no a review or leave a five-star. I don't know why, but a five-star <laughs> is w- way more important. So don't ask me why, but uh, yeah. So also another great way to support the show is Patreon. Uh, our top patron of the week is Make Build Modify, as always. Uh, so big thanks to Thank all you. of our patrons over there. And uh, yeah, you're so. my favorite. <laughs> we need like a we need another reward tier for like extra like a creepy James voice voicemails or something. You know, like a, <laughs> you know, like a custom ringtone. Your phone is ringing, or you know, like something uh, that that could be kind of fun. That would be, <laughs> that would be just ridiculous enough to work. So cool. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Till next week. Happy building. See ya.